If you will, please turn with me to Luke chapter 4. We have been proceeding through this book of Luke, and we are today at verse 31. So if you'll turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 31, I'll read for us. Follow along with me, if you will. Then he, the Lord Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. After Jesus had triumphed in his encounter there with the temptations of the devil in the desert, and then was filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, he immediately began to preach and to teach the people. And his words were powerful, filled with the special enabling of the Holy Spirit that was living within him. And in those words, we find that Jesus began his teaching and his preaching ministry first within Jewish synagogues. And that was exactly as God the Father had planned for the ministry of Jesus to be. You'll recall that Jesus was first sent to his own people, the children of Israel, to redeem them first. And here in these words of Luke chapter 4, we see that the people were immediately captivated by the Lord Jesus, drawn in by the unique power that was within his words. Listen to these words again. First, in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report went out about him through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then in the verse, one of the verses for today, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Folks, These words that tell us that Jesus spoke with authority, they're very significant and they're meaningful. The people of that day were not accustomed to hearing their rabbis and their priests giving thoughts and opinions from their own authority. It was the custom for the rabbis and the priests of that day to be very careful to quote other more revered rabbis and priests and to give credit to them. But as Jesus taught and as he preached, he would use expressions like those that he used in Matthew 5. Listen to these words, Matthew 5. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. As Jesus spoke those words, but I say to you, he was expressing his own authority, and they knew it. 
And while the people at those moments might not have realized, Jesus was openly declaring himself to be the original lawgiver. He was explaining what he intended, those laws that they were so accustomed to following, what they really meant, even from the beginning. Folks, you and I must take understanding from words of Scripture such as these. Remember that in John chapter 1, there Jesus was declared to be the Word of God. The Word of God. He was the speaking voice of the Trinity. And as such, He was that voice that originally gave the law to Moses. Have you thought about that? It was His voice that was the original voice that gave the law to Moses. He was the voice of God who spoke out from that burning bush. And His voice is the never-ending voice that calls out every moment from the heavens. Listen to these words. This is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there is no language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. These words of this psalm, they're not just metaphors, as so many teachers will say that they are. They're not just figurative language telling us about some general principle of the existence of God. These words do that, yes, but the greater truth is that there's an actual voice, an actual voice emanating throughout the earth, declaring the person and the presence of God. And that voice that is speaking is the Holy Spirit of Christ, constantly speaking out. And there is no place where that voice is not heard. He is the speaking voice, the Word of God, that same voice that spoke all of creation into existence, that commanded and there was light, that commanded and there was water and there was cattle on the earth. And here in these words of Psalm 19, His voice is still constantly calling out, right now, right at this moment, calling out to anyone and to everyone who will listen, giving glory to God. And yes, also, His voice is the same voice that those people of Jesus' day heard and they were astonished at. Same voice. Verse 32, And they were astonished at His teaching, for His word was with authority. Those naive people had no idea who they were listening to. But they did get it right. They did get it right when they said that He spoke with authority because Jesus did have authority. And he spoke with that authority, the authority of Almighty God himself. But unfortunately, because those people could not quite comprehend who they had in front of them, the Lord Jesus would almost immediately begin to meet with opposition. First, you'll recall, from his constant enemy, the devil and his demons. And then from the people that he would encounter, they would begin to reject him. They would approve of him at first, but then they would begin to reject him. And by rejecting him, they were rejecting the truths that he was given to them. We mentioned in an earlier message that these precious scriptures within our Bibles are said by Bible teachers to be both prescriptive and they are descriptive. By that I mean they are prescriptive in that they instruct us on how we are to think and how we're to do the things of this life in a godly and a holy way. 
but they're also descriptive in that they describe for us who God really is and how he, he sovereignly manages the affairs of this earth every moment of every day. And these words are descriptive in other ways also. They especially describe for us what the world, the flesh, and the devil are really like. And we're able to start to see that right here in these words. How they involve themselves within the daily activities of our lives. And now here as we read these words in this passage in Luke chapter 4, we find that God has chosen to reveal a special truth about the world, the flesh, and the devil. A truth that we too often naively choose not to see. And it's that of the existence and the active involvement of the demonic spirits right within our own local churches. As we've been saying over these recent weeks, the demonic kingdom really is obviously well entrenched within most of the fabric of this world. And we can especially see that taking place within the activities and the behaviors of the secular world and secular world leaders. But unfortunately, their presence and their influence are not obvious within the walls and the activities of our churches. But folks, listen. Sadly, those wretched evil beings can be there also. Here in our scripture passage, just as Jesus began to teach and to preach, suddenly out of the pews comes a man who was fully possessed by a demon. Listen to these words. Verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet. Come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. As we have learned from these scriptures, the local synagogues that we're reading about here in these scriptures, they were the local churches of that day. A place within the towns where the people would meet on the Sabbath and they'd receive preaching and teaching just like we do. Using the scrolls at that time from various books of the Old Testament as their Bibles. And the synagogues were the first places that Jesus began his ministry of teaching and preaching. And while we perceive our churches to be a haven from the evils of the world, the flesh, and the devil, God is revealing to us here in these words that while, yes, within these walls are the safest places to be from our spiritual enemies, but it's not always that way. It's not always safe. Unfortunately, even within the walls of our safe churches and within the souls of some of our dearest friends, perhaps, can lurk the presence of evil spirits. As I've pondered such a possibility as that taking place within our church, I confess to you that I almost immediately dismiss any possibility of it taking place here. And I'm confident that we really are safe from such possibility here. But folks, listen. That is not so in every church. Some years ago, I became aware of a situation involving a 
young woman who worked part-time as an employee of a thriving evangelical church. This young woman was very attractive and outgoing. And she was married and had some beautiful children. Unfortunately, as she worked closely each day with that pastor, a relationship began to develop. Eventually, the two became intimately involved, causing her some serious family problems and causing the pastor to have to leave that ministry. Thankfully, the young woman fully repented of her sins, and over time, her marriage has been restored. I don't know what has taken place with that pastor. I hope that he also has been restored in his relationship with the Lord, at least. But to what should we attribute their obviously sinful behavior? Was it just the ways of the world? Was it the ways of the flesh? Or was it demonic influence within that church? Or was it perhaps some of all three? The world, the flesh, and the devil. I would suggest to us that it was all three. That unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they do seem to work in tandem bringing about and bringing to the surface within a person's soul the lustful desires that lurk there, causing as much sinful conduct and misery as they can possibly cause. I'm also aware of another situation, one involving a long-standing revival that was taking place some years ago at a Pentecostal church on the Florida coast. You may be familiar with it. During the first months and even years of that revival, thousands of people were reported to have given their hearts to Christ in salvation. Also, many of them continued on into full-time ministry. I listened to one of those men on the radio. He has a radio program on AFR on a regular basis. One of the products of that wonderful revival. But eventually... Things begin to go wrong within that ministry involving its leadership. One report said that the Holy Spirit is easily quenched by pride, by greed, by selfish religious agendas, and broken relationships. And folks, many media voices from both the secular and the Christian media, they were critical of that revival. But I'm personally convinced that a lot of good came out of that ministry. But again... Those words, the Holy Spirit is easily quenched by pride, by greed, selfish religious agenda, and broken relationship. And it's a truth that can take place within any church, within any, within any church ministry, and it can bring destruction to everyone that it touches. On another occasion, I once counseled with a young man who had just taken the position as a pastor of a small church. Almost immediately upon getting to know some of his membership, he began to see factions within the church, serious divisions that had been developing there for many years along family lines. When he asked to look at the church records, the one side of those factions that controlled the church records, they refused to share those records with him. Again, those words are appropriate that say that the Holy Spirit is easily quenched by pride, by greed, selfish religious agendas, and broken relationships. The real remedy for that church 
was only able to take place when one of those families eventually left that church. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul speaks about a circumstance that was taking place among the Corinthian church membership. There he said, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. While it seems that the problems within our churches manifest themselves in matters of immorality most of the time, sinful conduct can be exhibited in so many, many different ways. And again, to what should we attribute the obviously sinful behavior that took place in each of those situations? Was it just the way of the world? Or was it just the way of the flesh? Or was it demonic influence? Or was it perhaps, again, some of all three? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Again, I would suggest probably in all of those circumstances that it was all three. The incident that is given to us here in today's text, Luke chapter 4, it's describing a local synagogue member that was possessed by a demon. We don't know much about that synagogue member. He could have been a very quiet member, or it might have been a member of a high position within the synagogue. We don't know. But we do know that he was possessed by a demon. And that instance is given to us for a reason. And we need to take heed to the warning that's implied in God giving us these words within his scripture. It is, yes, Satan and his demons are ever and always all around us. Yes, they're out there in the world, in the more obvious pursuit of all those high-profile leaders, those media giants. But those evil beings are also at work down at our local church levels, corrupting our local churches by infesting the lives and activities of ordinary folks, many of which are well-meaning. Often during these days, we see that manifesting itself in the bringing about of very liberal beliefs, very liberal behaviors within those churches. Do you know of some churches right now that are suffering in this way from liberal beliefs and liberal behaviors that are not in these scriptures? While those evil creatures can't be seen by our natural eyes, folks, they are still among us. And if we'll ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal them to us, I believe that he will. I believe that he will. And when he does, we'll be able to see those evil beings within the hearts and minds of people like that naive church pastor and that young woman who fell victim to their lusts and to the temptations to fulfill their lusts. And yes, if we'll look carefully, we'll also see the fingerprints of those evil beings in great revivals, mega churches that seem to dissipate into nothingness. The Holy Spirit having been quenched by the pride and the greed and the religious agendas and broken relationships within those churches. And also, if we'll look and listen carefully, we'll be able to hear the voices of those evil ones causing factions and dissensions to develop within an otherwise healthy congregation, causing people to behave unkindly to each other. 
Folks, none of that is new. None of this that we're speaking about is new. Self-seeking people, influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil, they have been disrupting, even destroying churches and church organizations for thousands of years. That's the nature of sinful souls, and that's the nature of Satan and of his fellow demons. So then, how can we recognize that such things are taking place in us personally or in our churches? Jesus gives us a clear answer to that question. He tells us that we can recognize such people by their fruits. We can recognize them by their fruits. Listen to these words in Matthew chapter 15. He tells us there, beware of false prophets. Now that can be in the form of a preacher or it can be in the form of a Sunday school teacher, a Bible teacher, a group leader. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Folks, these words are appropriate whether those evil beings are influencing, again, a pastor, or they're influencing ordinary members of a church. We really should be able to recognize who we have in front of us by their fruits. Now, what are we to do about such things? Folks, you and I are not able, as Jesus is, to battle one-on-one with the devil and his demons. But here again, Jesus has given us a clear answer about what we must do. When he encountered his temptations with the devil there in the wilderness, he used the ever-powerful Word of God as his weapon of defense. You and I need to read and to commit to memory the powerful Word of God given within these scriptures. And the Holy Spirit will then give us those exact words and the exact response that we'll need to protect us and to protect our congregation against the influences and the attacks of Satan and his demons. May I close with these words? This is from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let's pray.